Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Straight Talk. In this episode, we're here at our usual spot with Cameron Degin at our Istanbul office. Cameron, welcome to the show. Hello, Alatin. How are you? I am good, and you look like a million bucks. Really? Yes. It's no more than 100 bucks on me. Do you know though. what people say about you? James Bond of Turkey. You are what kidding me. What do you have in common with, what's his name, Craig? Craig who? He's no longer the James Bond. They're, Is he not? I think they're searching for the next one. Idris Elba? He's, um, he's, um, well, he's done his last movie, hasn't he? Because he perishes at the end of the last James Bond movie. Does he? Daniel Craig is no longer the James Bond. They have not reached out to me yet. They have not reached out to you. No, that, 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 that's I'm what too I was old. going to say. Um, all I'm the too old. Otherwise, are, they would have, you see. Yeah, the, 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 pro the producers of James Bond, the next James Bond movie, if you're looking for a James Bond, we have Cameron Degan here ready for you. Huh. Would, would you be willing to cooperate? Do you know what I've done? I've gone there. Um, you know this Aladdin movie that Will Smith is, uh, has played? Aladdin oh, yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what was the name of the director? M Madonna's ex husband. Uh, Guy, Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy yeah. Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. So I basically, I, I, I saw the news that it says the Aladdin cast is looking for an Aladdin. So you actually wrote to them. Hold on, hold on. They, they say, they say, this Aladdin has to be fluent in English speaking, fluent in English, but he has to be Middle Eastern looking. He could sing, he could dance and all that. And I, I thought to myself, hold on, my name is Aladdin. I'm Middle Eastern looking enough, not that Middle Eastern looking, enough. but enough. <laughs> uh, I speak English. I can sing. I can, I can dance. dance. I am young enough to play Aladdin For in this movie. For the next 20 years. Of course. The and, sequels. Right. I, w w what I did is I just DM'd Guy Ritchie through Instagram. I said to him, I wrote him a big fat paragraph about why Aladdin should be they Aladdin. They cast you in the right, movie. Right, right. Yeah. And I told him about, hey, I'm, I'm the Aladdin of Bosphorus, you know, where East meets West, this, that, and everything. I, we can go to Grand Bazaar and film some videos there and this and that. Obviously, he never responded to me. He never did? No. And who, guess, guess who they got? Will Smith. An Egyptian guy. Did they not get Will Smith? No, no. Will Smith is the genie. Oh. Will Smith is the genie. Aladdin... Aladdin there, I have to admit, is a good-looking guy. Not as good-looking as me, but, you know, they got this Egyptian guy. Why do you think they chose him over you? Maybe he DM'd earlier. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's the only reason. I don't know. B because, because I've heard that Guy Ritchie checks his DMs as well. Guy, Guy Ritchie is a very, very important director in the UK, which happens to be the country of our subject matter today not just the uk uk us and the western world and we want to talk about the expected housing slump the, the the global housing market slump is a big word cameron don't you think slump is certainly a big word it's uh it's a it's a scary word it is i mean the moment i see that word slump i'm like i'm slumped right i, uh, I get scared i um i can't you know my day is spoiled right. So yeah. what is happening in the global housing market? And what is the slump about? I know where you're kind of bringing the situation. You, you, you're bringing the situation to a comparison between what's likely to happen, because you started with right. the word slump, with the housing prices in Turkey, as opposed to, say, in the US, in the UK, right. in the right. Eurozone. Well, given that in, those, in the Western economies, interest rates are hiked up, and in fact, they're hiked up quite substantially in relation to what they were, and in Turkey, quite the opposite, interest rates are being lowered. For the, for the past two years, we're seeing interest rates being lowered. I think at one point they were 
the central bank lending rate, and now they're they're down to ten percent, ten point something, ten point five, ten point five percent. That's interesting. Talk to me about that because that's okay. a very unorthodox now, way. That's, that's an unorthodox way. Right now, that word unorthodox is obviously a word coined not from within Turkey. It's right. a word coined by the policymakers and the observers and the media of the Western economies. Why? Why do they call Turkish way of doing business Turkish way of um, lowering interest rates and unorthodox policy? Well, from their perspective, and their perspective is one where the king of all tools to combat inflation is interest rates. Mm. And in fact, it appears to be the only tool that in the last 40, 50 years Western economies have been using. In inflation goes up, they hike up interest rates, okay? So that's the biggest tool, and it works. It is the tool that also gives rise to what we call the boom and bust economies, mm. which is every 10 to 12 years, there's a bust. So the bubble bursts. Yes. And then you start from humble beginnings, then it grows, then it bursts, then it grows. Now, this is one of the biggest illnesses or what we call the Western capitalist regimes. Mm. Now, I'm not... I'm not arguing for or against this. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just, I'm just observing what goes on. Right, I get it. Now, from that perspective, what Turkey or the Turkish Central Bank is doing by lowering interest rates despite inflation, high inflation, is unorthodox. Now, imagine you're, you're a Western policymaker right. and you have fed the rhetoric to your home country to your voters at the end of the day they need to vote for you so that you can stay in power right. that you are increasing interest rates which is going to curb their ability to have access to funds to have access to liquidity so it's not a good thing what you're doing but you're basically saying look this is what we call uh, a bad medicine so that we avoid hitting that wall at 200 miles an hour, the controlled recession. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, you've got this country called Turkey, which is an emerging market, which is doing pretty well in terms of GDP growth. It's outshining most of its peers, certainly the Western economies. It's reporting almost two-figure, double-digit GDP growth year on year. Right. 2021, I think it was, what, 7% something? 2022, despite everything else happening around the world... Turkey is projecting to end the year with over 7% GDP growth. Right. And the projections for 2023 are very similar. Now, Turkey is reporting all these when the Western economies are reporting reductions. Yeah. What then you would do as a policymaker, say in the US, is you would indeed call what Turkey is doing an unorthodox method. Because if you endorse what Turkey is doing and you turn around and say, you know what, this is not something typical, this is not something that we're used to seeing, but you know what, it could very well work. You know what, you know what, I admire you for your confidence and I admire you for doing something out of the box. If you said that, then your public would immediately ask the question, hey, why aren't you doing the same? Mm. If it's such a good thing. So the only thing you would do is condone it. The only thing you would do is call it unorthodox, which is exactly what they're doing. Because if they didn't, they would be asked the question as to why they're not doing the same thing. Okay, okay you get me so far. So, 
Turkey is doing all that, lowering the interest rates, which means Turkey is saying, despite inflation, we are not going to slow down our economy. We're going to make finance more available to our um, citizens, to the residents of Turkey. We're going to make finance and money more available to small, medium-sized and large businesses so they can go out there and invest in their businesses, invest in their livelihoods, buy those homes that they need to buy, whether it be by getting mortgages or with the opportunity cost otherwise that are also indexed to interest rates. I get so, what Turkey is doing, Cameron. So as a result, as a result, I would say to you that the slump that we may very well see in the housing market globally may not have the same impact on Turkey. Let me play the devil's advocate here. Go on, Okay, you're basically saying that, okay, um, the West is uh, slowing down their economy yeah. um, with this, um, with the controlled recession or, you know, you know for you it's a, it's a marketing gimmick or a political well, rhetoric uh, uh, that they're so, using. Yes. And what Turkey is doing, Turkey is doing the exact opposite of that. Turkey yeah. is basically saying that, guys, I cannot afford to slow down my economy. I'm a developing country. I need to make finance available for people so they invest more money, create more jobs. Create and keep, more wealth. Yeah, and keep economy afloat. Innovate, right. invest in research and development. Right, perfect. These, I get yeah. that. I get that. And you're saying this is going to cause uh, a slump in the housing market of the Western economies, whereas in Turkish market, Turkish real estate market, it isn't going to be so because they will keep demand alive. Now, I would tell you, Cameron, lowering down interest rates does have their own consequences. Consequence number one, you will kill the Turkish lira. It's, it's already a very fragile... Why do you assume that? I'll tell you why I assume that. It's a very fragile currency anyway. We, we know the what happened to the Turkish lira in the past three to five years, mm. right? Um, big devaluation. And from a, from a Westerner's perspective, it, 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 gives me, it gives me shivers. It tickles me uh, to know the fact that a country's currency keeps going down and down and down and down when I have assets in that country being bought and sold in that specific currency. And now that country is lowering down interest rates, making money more available. Isn't that going to further devalue the Turkish currency? When that happens, the purchasing power does go down. Maybe momentarily, maybe for some time, but it does happen. As an investor, why would I invest in a country where the currency of which is going down and the purchasing power is momentarily going down and up going down and up so for me this is further instability would i not be better off keeping my assets in developed economies london for example i know whatever happens in the world nothing's going to change in london okay. london will be last to fall basically okay. so what do you say to that what you're saying is turkish lira is devaluing Right. Turkish lira is not necessarily a stable currency and it is getting weaker and weaker year on year. So why would you invest in a country whose currency is devaluing? Right. Okay. So surely you're saying if I invest my hard currency such as dollars, euros or whatever right. into Turkey, then three years, five years down the line, if I wish to exit Turkey and take my profits and capital, I take it in lira, then, then I shall take it in lira. And since lira is devaluing, then the hard currency I invested three years or five years prior certainly 
will be worth less. Right. That's what you're saying. Now, obviously, if you look at the whole situation from the perspective of the Western economy, whereby you have hard currencies, whereby the fiscal and monetary policies are very much interest rates dictated, like we, we talked about, then you shall arrive at conclusions that are biased. Because the conclusions that you're arriving at, they're conclusions that derive from the dynamics of the economy you're studying, the Western economy. Right. Turkey is a different kettle of fish. Turkey is, um, has different dynamics to it. So you need to study Turkey within the dynamics that are present in the country. Now, let me give you a, a, a different analogy for that. And in fact, that is the very reason I called you this morning, and this is how we started, how we scheduled this particular episode. I called Aladdin around 7 a.m. this morning, and I said to Aladdin, Aladdin, do whatever you do, but today make sure that we shoot an episode on the housing prices slump that is expected to happen globally because I have different views on that and and this is why we're doing this episode now I received a document from one of our guys two days ago um, a document that was published by the Central Bank of Turkey looking at house prices from 2017, July 2017, which is the midpoint of 2017, all the way up to August 2022, which is a five-year horizon, five-year period. And it looked at Turkey as a whole, then Istanbul, Ankara, and Izmir, the three largest cities in Turkey. Now, the report shows that over the past five years, the average house prices all over Turkey and in these three largest cities have gone up. And in fact, they have gone up quite considerably when you look at Turkish lira. So obviously, we need to strip out the devaluation of the Turkish lira, bring it to parity with, say, US dollar, so we can draw a meaningful um, conclusion whether prices, property prices, have indeed gone up or gone down. Let's look at US dollar. Right. And I did that. And I kind of um, converted the Turkish lira in 2017 and 2022 to the US dollar. And then I looked at the real increase in hard currency terms. The real increase in hard currency terms was still positive And actually, very encouragingly positive. What do you mean? Let me continue. So then I said, look, if I was to talk about the figures that I saw when I did my calculations, they, these figures may not be quite relevant because it looks at Turkey as a whole. Istanbul as a whole. Whereas I said, our market, the foreign investor market, does not necessarily invest in the totality of Turkey or the totality of Istanbul or Ankara or Bursa or whatever. There is a certain segment, certain segments of the real estate market that foreigners tend to invest in and not so much on some other segments like rural properties and those types of properties. So I said, let us look at real data that we know we have at hand. So I went back to 2017. Mm. I looked at all the sales we did in 2017. Right. Okay, because we keep those records going back years and years. And I looked at what we sold. And most of what we sold, we sold in Turkish. There are some in US dollars. So I converted everything to US dollars as at the time of sale in 2017. 
Then what I did, Alaaddin, I, I went line by line and looked at those properties and I asked a fundamental question. I said, what is this property worth today? Not exaggerated, realistic market values. And I jotted them down. And again, I turned it into, I converted it into US dollars. So I'm comparing US dollars, 2017, US dollars 2022, of all the sales we did in 2017. I can assure you, prices doubled from our 2017 sales to our 2022. Those sales within 2017, what happened to those properties? Their prices doubled in five years. Now, between 2017 and 2022, two very, very important events happened in Turkey that impacted Turkish lira. In 2018, we had quite a significant devaluation of Turkish lira. And in 2020, we had a bit of a devaluation too. Now, those devaluations we saw between 2017 and 2022, Turkey had not seen such sharp devaluations all the way back since 2001. Right. So we're talking about almost a 20-year run and then some exceptional devaluations. So the figures that I took happened to coincide those devaluations. Despite that, the values doubled in US dollar terms. In, in some places, now, actually more. The types of properties we sell. Right. Okay, because I looked at our own analysis. Now, if indeed the devaluation of Turkish lira was a wealth loser for a foreign investor, what I should have seen when I did that comparison is the foreign investor losing. I should have seen that because in that period, we had two instances of exceptional devaluations that didn't happen for almost 20 years prior. Despite those instances, our investors from 2017 on average, doubled their investments in U.S. dollar terms. How? So, what do you mean how? How? Well, be, be, because, we, we, we talked I'll, about be, it. Because, because I'll tell you um, why I'm asking this question. Go on, it's every single week or every other day that I get this question from clients. Okay. And they regard this question as, Aladdin, here is a million dollar question okay. for you. Okay. As the lira is going down, the property prices are going up in hard currency terms. How the heck does that okay. happen? All right, all right, all right. Turkish lira devaluing is not the only thing that determines your wealth as an investor in Turkish real estate. What determines your wealth? We are keeping this very simple. As an investor in Turkish real estate, in addition to Turkish lira, is the real growth of that market in the domestic market. Mm. If the prices in Turkish lira have grown more than the devaluation of the Turkish lira, which demonstrably, clearly and visibly happened in the last five years, mm -hmm. then in US dollar terms or euro terms or GBP terms, you will be better off. 
Right. And this is exactly what happened in the last five years. Right. And now, now, your next question really should be, okay, how do we know that the same trend will continue in the next three years or five years? That was exactly going to be okay. my next All right. trend. All right. How sustainable is that? Well, in my opinion, it is not. So, I would be extremely surprised if in the next three to five years, property prices in Turkey or in Istanbul or in Bodrum, let's say where we sell, carry on doubling. I will be extremely surprised because in my opinion, that type of a growth is not sustainable. Mm. However, however, I would also be extremely surprised if over the next three to five years, we do not see positive growth in Turkish real estate in USD terms, in hard currency terms. My expectation is that prices will still continue rising, but not sharply, not as sharply. However, when you are comparing as a foreign investor, which pot to put your money in, whether to put it into the pot that says Turkish real estate on it, or US real estate, or UK real estate, let's go from real estate, then the chances of Turkish real estate giving you positive returns over the next three to five years are significantly higher than any Western markets giving you such returns. Would you say that the Turkish real estate market is not as saturated as the real estate markets, let's say, in Toronto? Because right now what is happening is you have um, significant price drops in, in, in these markets, in property markets in Toronto, yeah. for example. Why? Because, okay. and, and this is this is a first-hand information from the clients that have that comes to this very office that speaks to us every other day, and, and this is the exact thing that they say. Cameron, Aladdin, market is saturated. A one-bedroom apartment in Toronto is going for no less than a million dollars. This is not sustainable. We're, we're, we're selling our assets there, we're moving here. Is that the real factor? Market saturation um, depends on many factors. You gave Toronto as an example. Um, Toronto, although um, they, uh, Canada enjoyed a, a, a good run of prosperity, um, prices in Toronto were not driven up necessarily by the local buyers. Prices in Toronto, and anybody in Canada will tell you that, from Toronto will tell you that, were driven up by foreign investment. Compared to the population and the size and the internal demand that Toronto enjoys, to the foreign buyers, mainly Chinese by the way, everybody blames the Chinese for that, yeah. they are blamed for pushing the prices up in Toronto. The demand from overseas in Toronto, interestingly, in certain areas is significantly higher than the domestic demand. So whenever you have a market where foreign demand, real estate market, is higher than the domestic demand, I would be extremely cautious of that market. Dubai is the same. Because it only takes a swing in people's buying habits, people's investment habits, a swing in political environment to do with that area or from that area, and the figures can completely go upside down. Whereas in a country like Turkey, where we keep saying, 
more than 95% of properties are bought and sold by Turkish nationals, local people. We don't have that problem. And the fact of the, 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 the dynamics of Turkey being such a young country and an emerging market is that there is a need for real estate. So if we look at it from that viewpoint, there's no saturation here. In fact, right now, Turkey, Istanbul in particular, is enjoying, I don't know if the right word is enjoying, but is going through a period of lowest available stock in the market since as long as I've been in business mm -hmm. in Turkish real estate. We have never had such, such thin supply to market right. as we have now. So if we look at it from that viewpoint, then there is no saturation here. But I don't make my projections or I don't look at it from the viewpoint of saturation or non-saturation. I look at it purely from the market dynamics and the need for real estate and what the Turkish Central Bank is right now doing in order to further encourage the need for real estate. Because real estate is one of the major locomotive sectors of the Turkish industry. Again, it can be argued whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's not the subject of our conversation. But it is that way. Which means that a government that hopes to be re-elected next year, the last thing they're going to do is reduce people's ability to get onto the property ladder. Because that would be an immediate election loss for them. Mm. That's the political side of it. Of so, <laughs> politically, the Turkish government and the Turkish Central Bank is not about to do that. They really will do quite the opposite to encourage funds to be more available to the average man in the street to buy his home because they want the votes. Yeah. And also, and also um, interestingly, interestingly, I do agree with what they're doing with the interest rates. That was, that was what I, I agree was with ask you. I agree with it yeah. because, because like every other country, for the past 50, 60, 70 years, using interest rates as the king tool to manipulate inflation, Turkey could do the same thing. And if Turkey did the same thing, what would happen in Turkey would probably follow suit. The Western economies, a slump, a reduced growth, etc. Now, Turkey is saying, you know what? I want to break out of this cycle of boom and boost, bust. I want to break out of this cycle of reducing availability of finance and reducing economic growth. Yes, there is inflation. However, I am going to sacrifice inflationary factors for the time being. And I'm going to go for economic growth. Because where Turkey is, demographically, macroeconomically, the model that the Turkish Central Bank, the Turkish government is trying to do is simple. They're basically saying, Encourage economic growth, encourage innovation, encourage research and development, encourage investment in new, investment in lifestyle. Because that is what will put Turkey at the forefront of many other nations over the next 10 to 20 years. So really what they're doing is the brave route. 
they're actually what they're doing is brave. Yeah, because they the know they're medicine. not stupid. Yeah. They know that lowering interest rates in the short to medium term will have negative impacts on inflation. They're not stupid. They know it. But they're willing to bite that bullet mm. in order to give the prosperity to Turkey for the next 10 to 20 years. And let me make another projection. And I told you this down at the, uh, as we were having lunch. In my opinion, over the next 10 years, Istanbul is going to become one of the biggest business and financial hubs of the world. I can see it happening. I can smell it. I believe so. The same dynamics, the same, the same influx of culture, people from all around the world that I saw 30, 40 years ago in UK, in London in particular, I'm, saying, I'm seeing the same thing in Istanbul today. Right. And 30 years ago, London started taking so much foreign direct investment from all over the world because everybody wanted a piece of London. They wanted to live in London. Big company bosses, directors, they wanted to be expatriated to London. That's the place they wanted to be in. That is what brings money. That is what brings foreign direct investment. People genuinely wanting a part of that city or country. Turkey is going the same route. London surely, surely, you must be able to observe this. Now, as little as seven years ago, when I first moved to Istanbul, when you sat around in a cafe, in a restaurant, on the high street in Nishantashi or Bebek or somewhere in Beyoğlu, and you just, you know, observed what's going on around you, you would hear a foreign language, foreign is in non-Turkish, every other five minutes. Today, you sit in Nishantashi, every second guy 50% yeah. of people yeah, yeah. walking in the street yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, are yeah, non-Turkish yeah. speakers. Of course. There are hundreds of different languages. So this tells you that people want to come to this city. Now, for me, I don't need to see anything else. For me, that shows the desirability of the city. And for me, that's the first couple of steps along the path of becoming a world hub. Right. Because I experienced the same thing in London 30, 35 years ago. I'm seeing the exact same dynamics here today. So what I'm saying, like I said a few episodes before, now is the time to invest in Turkey. And if people don't do it, Record this, please, because in five years' time, they'll look back on this and they will say, this guy told us this. Right. We should have listened. Cameron, one last point. And, 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 and Any then, point. And, and, and then we close the show. And, and here is, here is, this is, this is what I think, and I, I, I want to know if this is also what you think. When, when the Western economies are hiking up interest rates yeah. and Turkey is lowering it, is it like, is it a bit like Turkey is saying to the world, bring it on. I keep my shop on. Yes. I'm open. I'm yes. open and running. Yeah. And they shut shop. I'm open. Bring it in here. Its immediate effects, don't you think, will be seen 
as a, a serious amount of FDI coming into Turkey, whether it will be uh, to the Turkish real estate or investments into other industries and sectors in Turkey because it's a young population and it, the shop is still open. People are working, you know, they're, they're investing, they're working, they're, they're, they're creating stuff, they're producing stuff, they're exporting it. Because one of the good things about Turkish lira devaluation is that it boosts up the exports, it boosts up the tourism, which makes Turkey an ever so interconnected with the world economics. Look at the location, right? Hub, located in the middle of the world, east and west, gets more and more interconnected. So what I see is that these interest rates going down and focusing on growth while they are focusing on, okay, how do we weather the storm? Let's go about thinking. Because it's the only thing they know. And, and I think this will attract a huge amount of FDI, foreign direct investment into Turkey. Well, let me, let, uh, let me put it to you in a diff slightly different way. A few days back, because um, you know we got our license for the Real Estate Investment Trust. Correct. We're starting funding Turkey and etc which is very exciting development right. for us a few days back i was talking to somebody in the sepeka right which is capital the, market the, the capital markets board of turkey the um the government body that um resides presides rather over banks and financial institutions and you know what the guy said to me he said to me we have never been this busy we have so many applications to set up funds, not just real estate investment trusts, venture not just real estate funds, venture capital funds, new business acquisition funds, mergers and acquisition funds, all sorts of funds. We never had such high demand for setting up funds. Now, people are not going to set up funds in an economy where they expect demand to go down. You're not going to set up a fund. You will only set up a fund in an economy where you expect a lot of investment to come in in a structured way. Mm. In a structured way, not just from Aladdin and Cameron, but from larger scale institutional investors, mm -hmm. whether they are foreign or Turkish. Now, there are some very interesting dynamics at play in Turkey. Again, which if you try to evaluate from the perspective of the US economy or the UK economy, you will fail to understand what's going on in Turkey. Because you're going to look at interest rates, you're going to look at inflation, and you're going to look at a few of these stereotype, or I don't know if that's the right word, but headline indicators, and you're going to say, ooh, Turkey is no good. Then you will miss the boat. Then, I'm sorry, but you are not a savvy investor if that's the way you evaluate Turkey. But what is Cameron Degen's advice for a savvy investor? My advice for a savvy investor is study the country properly, look at what's happening, look at if you're looking at real estate investments, just have a really, really good look at what happened in the last three years, in the last five years, and understand the dynamics that gave rise to such increases, value growth in Turkish real estate, and then look at what's going on with the demand. Understand the demographics of Turkey. That's number one thing to understand, because the demographics of Turkey are very, very different from the aging populations of the Western economies. Very different. Okay, Understand all those. 
and things will become clearer. Things will become clearer. Do not evaluate Turkey using the same metrics as you would use to evaluate US or UK or Eurozone because they are very, very different. Very, very different. And I will say again, now is the time for Turkey. Every kingdom, let's say, has got its period. If you mm -hmm. look at the past 10,000 years, right. the Roman Empire, the Byzantium, the, the British Empire, time, then the Ottoman Empire. Every kingdom, they rise, they fall. They rise, they fall. And countries are the same. And now is Turkey's time. Modern Turkey has not yet bloomed. Modern Turkey Ottoman hasn't Empire headed did. yet. Yeah. 400 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, 500 yeah. years ago. But Turkey but hasn't modern yet. Turkey has no. not. They but never it has have. all the makings of a great yeah. country, yeah. but it has not yet bloomed. Yeah. Yes. Cameron Degan, thank you very much for this Thanks amazing a lot. episode. It's a good episode. Guys, please, any thoughts, comment them down below. We read those comments. We actually oh, take, we take um, screenshots of it and send it to each other. We say, you know, oh, Cameron, look at this comment. I actually, yeah. I actually um, responded to one of the comments on the yeah, program. Yeah, from his personal and, and, account. From my personal account. And yeah. a minute later, he calls me. He goes to me, why did you respond to that? I said, well, the guy asked the question, and I, I, and I responded. He goes, there are so many scammers and spammers on, yeah. online that could copy your, you know, you're a known guy, and, you know, like, yeah. you know, like that the, the would copy your name and your identity and respond to our clients. You shouldn't be responding as Cameron. Right. You should be responding from our official Property Turkey account. Right. I said, all right, all right, I'm not going to respond. No, but that's a reality. That. That I know, I know. This is what they do. Okay, but I got they, excited. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you, Cameron. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>